Good morning, Evergreen Online. I um, hope you guys can hear me. I know that this morning, uh, as we are in the sanctuary for the first time in 15 months, there's going to be, as expected, a couple of glitches, but we hope you'll bear with us as we try to figure this out so that we can be ready for when you come in just a few months. Today, we have made the noticeable step of live streaming our service from the sanctuary for the first time since the start of the pandemic. So thank you, Mitch. Thank you, Lester. Thank you, tech and worship team and volunteers for working to get us back here in the sanctuary. Our last service in here was the first service in lockdown. Uh, some of us were here during that time. I Mitch and the tech team actually worked to get us online at that point. And um, uh, there were just a few staff here and some of our Family Promise volunteers. This month, as we test some of our equipment, uh, we'll be also bringing in some of our tech volunteers to get this place ready for our anticipated in-person re-entry in September. Now, of course, everything will still be determined by how the pandemic continues to play out. But in the meantime, we hope that this visual environment of the sanctuary and this space will help create a worshipful experience for you back home. Now, I want to ask you to consider, those of you who are watching today, uh, consider volunteering for our re-entry. We are looking for people who can help run some of our health check-in stations for those of our congregation that decide to come back on campus. We will provide you with some simple training to help us welcome people onto campus in a safe way during this time of the pandemic. Now, if we can't get volunteers, simple, <laughs> simple uh, result is we can't open up. So please email me if you would like to help and I'll put you together on that team. Now, as we get ready for uh, re-entry and coming back here on campus, you can also expect that our sanctuary re-entry will be gradual. So we're not going to open up the doors and have everybody in, this, in the congregation come back at once. We'll have limited capacity at first and then increase our numbers based on recommendations from our re-entry committee. Now more information about what to expect will come out in, in the coming months. Now last week, we had a wonderful turnout for our Church in the Park gathering, our second Church in the Park gathering in Arcadia, as a way for us to gather safely even as the sanctuary is being prepared. It was wonderful to see so many of you, so many of you actually that I couldn't talk to everyone, and we're actually planning to have one last Church in the Park gathering at the end of summer on August 29th. This will be the week before our expected sanctuary reopening uh, in the first week of September. So the last week of August, on August 29th, mark your calendars and please join us for that gathering in the park. Now, if you are just joining us here at Evergreen, this summer we are going through a series called Crossing Jordan, where we are looking at Israel's journey in the opening chapters of Joshua as they prepare to cross the Jordan River and head into the Promised Land. We're using this story as sort of an inspirational narrative for us as we journey toward re-entry into the sanctuary and I guess maybe not out of the pandemic, but through the pandemic. The idea is that God has been transforming us over the past 15 months. And instead of leaving all of that change that God was sort of um, orchestrating in, in that time of quarantine, we want to integrate all of that change, all the things that God did into our lives and carry it with us going forward. We're trying to be very intentional about this re-entry because we believe that God is actually doing something in us 
even now in this time of transition. Each week, we've also been commemorating the journey with the stacking of stones, just as Israel did when they entered into Canaan. And so we've actually moved that evolving little monument with us into the sanctuary. And this morning, later in the service, uh, we'll be participating in that. Now today, we pick up our story with the introduction of a new character, the character of Rahab. Now as the Israelites prepare to cross over into Canaan, Joshua sends two spies into the land to get more intel. Some of you may remember that this happened prior to Joshua in the book of Numbers, and that first time, Moses actually sends spies into the land of Canaan for 40 days, and Joshua is one of those spies, Caleb is also one of those spies, and when that group of 12 spies comes back to Moses, Caleb reports that Israel can take possession of the land, but the other spies in that group, they actually think that the inhabitants of Canaan are much too strong and too big for Israel to to take over. And so they tell the Israelites, these other spies, that there are huge people living in this promised land and that they make the Israelites look like grasshoppers. Well, of course, everyone gets totally scared and totally freaked out, and that attempt to enter into the land of Canaan is unsuccessful. Now this time, as Joshua sends spies, Joshua only sends two into the land, and they go and they stay at the house of a prostitute named Rahab. Now before we go on, I just want to take a little bit of time and talk about Rahab. Rahab lives in a house that was part of the defensive wall of the city of Jericho. Now, a house built into the outer defensive wall tells us that her her dwelling was not prime real estate, okay? This is at the edge of the city, so it would see all the traffic flowing in and out of the city, sort of like living next to the freeway today. It did, however, this, this location did, however, make her house a great place to hear gossip and all the word on the street, all the happenings that were going on in the city and coming into the city. This is possibly one reason why the spies chose Rahab's house to lodge when they entered Jericho. Now, most of our translations will identify Rahab as a prostitute or some type of sex worker. There is a variant translation that identifies her as an innkeeper as well, or possibly kind of alluding to the fact that maybe she was an innkeeper, but her inn sort of doubled as a brothel. However you want to translate it, what's clear is that she isn't presented as having sort of a desirable vocation. Now, I don't want, I don't want to get into painting Rahab as this horrible, sinful person, because I assume that she's part of a broader system in the brokenness of Jericho, I suspect that she was forced into this work through some sort of circumstances outside of her control. But what's interesting about her character is that the text sort of hints that she had some sort of power and control in her life. This house that the spies stayed in, this was her house, whether in or brothel. And she's the one making deals and communicating with both the spies of Israel and the king of Jericho in the story. That tells me that Rahab was not just a nobody. 
She was somebody that had at least a degree, some degree of authority in her world. Those of you who've seen the Not For Kids show, Warrior, about the Tong Wars in 1849 San Francisco Chinatown, she reminds me of the character of Atoy. You guys, some of you who've seen this show are nodding your heads. Atoy was a real-life madam over a chain of brothels in San Francisco during the gold rush. She became one of the most famous and richest Asian women in the Old West. Now, because of her work, she knows all the shady dealings that are going on in the city. Because of Atoy's wealth, she actually can negotiate with people in power in order to benefit her. Now, this is just using my own imagination, but I picture Rahab kind of similarly to Atoy. Maybe her inn was a brothel. Maybe her notoriety was what made her stand out to both the king of Jericho and the spies of Israel. Now, the significant thing about her identification as a sex worker in the text is what that represents in the Old Testament. The word to describe her can translate to the phrase, one who strays. And essentially, one who is unfaithful to either their spouse or to God. And the characterization of a prostitute in the Bible is often used as an analogy for someone who is unfaithful to God. Or when it's used to describe Israel, it's used to describe an entire nation that's unfaithful to God. Now possibly this could be used to identify Rahab as maybe a worshiper of a Canaanite God who who's, doesn't have a relationship with Yahweh, or just generally someone who, who maybe is, is unfaithful in their life. This characterization of being unfaithful and untrustworthy is
and Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction. As the body with the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. James recognizes Rahab as an example of faith. Now Rahab comes back into the story a few chapters later in the book of Joshua. And at the end of Joshua 6, the priests and the army are marching around the city of Jericho and the walls crumble to the ground. Some of you remember the story. And as the army charges into the city after the walls of Jericho have crumbled to the ground, this is what Joshua tells those first two spies again. He says this, Joshua said to the two men who had spied out the land, go into the prostitute's house and bring her out and all who belong to her in accordance with your oath to her. So the young men who had done the spying went in and brought out Rahab, her father and mother, her brothers and sisters and all who belonged to her. They brought out her entire family and put them in a place outside the camp of Israel. Then they burned the whole city and everything in it, but they put the silver and gold and the articles of bronze and iron into the treasury of the Lord's house. But Joshua spared Rahab the prostitute with her family and all who belonged to her because she hid the men Joshua had sent as spies to Jericho. And she lives among the Israelites to this day. Rahab was the most unlikely person to be included into the community, the covenant community of Israel. She was labeled and seen as unfaithful, as untrustworthy, and perhaps even unworthy. And yet, the journey across the Jordan would have been a total loss without her. God and the nation of Israel recognized her faithfulness, and the story ends with this line saying, and she lives among the Israelites to this day. What a phenomenal ending. The harlot is now essentially a Hebrew, living among the nation as a member and part of the family of God. Now, God had just finished allowing a whole generation of unfaithful Israelites die off before entering the promised land. But Rahab and her family, being the most unlikely people to be included in Israel's journey, now get to enter and now get to be a part of this covenant community. And what this tells me is that as Israel, as Israel embarks on their journey of re-entry into the promised land, the newness they encounter is not merely the geography that they see, the land that they touch. The newness that they encounter actually is in the community itself. The newness also extends to the makeup of the community. God is adding new people to their numbers. For our journey of reentry, this is something I believe that we encounter too. When we entered lockdown 16 months ago, we knew who was with us. We knew who was in the sanctuary sitting next to us the week before. But a lot has happened over the past year and a half. Some people have passed. Some people have left our community. I was talking with some friends of mine who are also pastors of churches in the Southern California area, and as they have gone through their own process of reopening or reentry, 
they remarked that as their congregations gathered, the one thing they started to notice was that people were missing. People had left their community based you know, for different reasons. People were going to leave our community too. And it seems the pandemic is a good excuse for people to just make some changes that maybe they were withholding in their lives. But we have also gained people. The same things that have caused some to leave our community in the pandemic are the the very things that actually have caused people to be attracted to our church family. A few weeks ago, we welcomed our largest membership class to the church, to this church, in years. What an amazing event. And I know that there are some of you watching right now that have joined us in the pandemic online, maybe from different parts of this planet, either from different parts of our city, different parts of the state, or different parts of the country, and some from even different countries on this globe. When we come back to a gathered community in two months, God willing, the makeup of our congregation actually might look different. And you might find yourself sitting next to some very unlikely friends. Our queer evergreeners might be worshiping next to some more conservative evergreeners. Our Republican evergreeners might be worshiping next to some Democrat evergreeners. Our vaccinated evergreeners might be sitting next to some unvaccinated evergreeners, all with masks, of course. And you might find that the very person sharing the space of the sanctuary with you is your Rahab. But that's okay, because I'm pretty sure you're going to be theirs. Rahab's story reminds us that as God leads us into new seasons of life, God will bring unexpected people into those seasons. And instead of trying to keep the community the same as it has always been, we should look for the Rahabs, the people of unexpected blessing that God has chosen to include. Because God's not taking us back to who we were. God's leading us forward to who we will be. Beloved, as we continue to prepare our hearts and our church family for re-entry, I want to give you this blessing as the worship team comes up. May our eyes... May our hearts and may our arms be opened to embrace, to include, and to receive new and unlikely friends. The people that God brings, the people that God brings into our community. And even as we grieve those who are gone, We eagerly anticipate those who will come and the blessing that God will bring through them. Amen.